0: Alternate take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we brought you guys an expert, like we always do. But this guy is an expert in beating you the fuck up. That's right. We brought you guys boxing trainer and UFC striking coach, Dewey Cooper. Dewey Cooper is an absolute legend, man. He is a Muay Thai champion, kickboxing champion, a martial arts hall of fame inductee, and right now he is currently. Part of the corner for Francis Ngannou, the UFC heavyweight champion. And as you guys know, we've already had on Eric Nixick, who is Ngannou's head trainer, on the podcast twice now. So we had to bring on Dewey Cooper, you know, to, to try to complete the triangle, man. We got other coaches to hit, too, over there at Extreme Couture MMA. But it was phenomenal to interview Dewey, man. He is an absolute legend. His boxing gym that he has is called Split T Boxing down there in Vegas, where he trains a bunch of fighters that are just absolute killers and up-and-coming stars. So... We had to do this interview, man, and it was an absolute honor. So without further ado, I bring to you Dewey, the Black Cobra, Cooper. What's up, everybody? This is Alternate Take, and on this episode, we got you the two-time world kickboxing champion, the 10-time world championship winning coach, and a master of martial arts hall of fame inductee, DC, the Black Cobra, Dewey Cooper. What's up, sir? How you doing?
1: Yes, sir. Thank you very much, man. It's a pleasure to be on alternate take. Uh, sorry about the difficulties in the scheduling as of late, but I appreciate being here, man. Thank you guys.
0: Oh, absolutely. Don't you yeah, have nothing to apologize for? I'm just grateful to have you. Um, Mr. Cooper, I want to start from your humble beginnings. I want to start from when you're a kid. I believe you're uh, raised in Los Angeles, right, sir?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Let's start from then. Tell me the story of Dewey Cooper.
1: Um, well, just like anybody else, uh, you know, a kid with a lot of energy, uh, getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, in the early 80s, Los Angeles was a really crazy, crazy place. That's when, the you know, the, the, the gang member thing boomed. Crips and Bloods became a, a nationwide f- uh, a phenomenal thing. And uh, I had older brothers who were gang members. So, of course, I was kind of following in there in their footsteps, doing the wrong thing as a young, young kid, way too young. Uh, But, you know, things worked out the way they're supposed to.
0: Yes, sir. What made you uh, change your direction? Was it maybe mentors in your neighborhood? Was it self-reflection? Was it uh, maybe an older brother got his act together and and taught you to do it? What what was the change?
1: Definitely not. Just TV, watching Kung Fu Theater and loving martial arts. And uh, there was a martial arts gym um, in Close to where we lived, and that really changed the t- trajectory of my life. Just actually joining a gym and start training martial arts because I was getting in street fights and shit at a very, very young age. You know, back in the early 80s, people fought a lot. Every day you see a street fight, it wasn't frowned upon like it is now. If people had disagreements, they would simply duke it out, what they used to call it. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, Kids fought, adults fought. Everybody was street fighting back in the days. Um, but what got me away from all the gangster stuff, all the gang violence and gang banging stuff, was training martial arts. I started taking Muay Thai at a very young age, um, and that kind of kind of sidetracked me to a different a different direction, just training and and sparring and having amateur fights and stuff like that.
0: Right, and I imagine too once. Once the neighborhood finds out you're doing some, uh, some martial arts, everyone starts to not be so tough. All of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'll leave that guy alone.
1: <laughs> no, no. They, they tried to test you. They, they always, Oh, you're the karate guy. Like, no, I do Muay Thai, not karate, but, and then guys will try to test you and you knock out a few guys and people start, you know, figuring it out. But yeah, we had a lot of street fights. I had a lot of street fights growing up. Um, and it was okay because I like to fight anyway. So it wasn't It wasn't like it was a bad thing. I never got bullied and this sort of thing. A lot of guys get into martial arts because they were bullied. So they learn how to fight and they get their revenge. You now I was fighting before martial arts. I joined martial arts to become a better fighter. So I could knock people out easier and hurt people on the streets easier. So slightly different motivations, but the same thing happened. I learned discipline. And self-control, and start learning how to be more responsible, and 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 and, and live with integrity versus just street rules. And uh, like I said, it changed the trajectory of my life.
0: Right. It's uh. What's that old saying? It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. That's for damn sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
0: Do you ever go back to your old neighborhood and drive by and just see like, you know, like reflect like, oh, shit, like I I was from there. You know, I was I was in that street. Do you ever go back?
1: Yeah, so many times, so many times. It's it's so crazy, like. It seems like it was a dream or something like even when I see my old friends from elementary and junior high school, even high school, they freak out how I'm so different now and how I've changed. I wasn't always a really nice guy. I was kind of aggressive and 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 and, and a bit disrespectful uh, back in the days. But I was just a misguided youth. Um, my parents were working all the time. I'm the youngest of eight, so they had to provide for a family. And, and both my parents have college degrees. But back in the 70s and 80s, you know, uh, it was hard for Black people in America, you know, it's still hard for us in America, but it's much, much more pleasant now. So anyway, my mom and dad was working all the time, providing for the family. So I looked at my older brothers for tutelage and to teach me. And unfortunately, they were the wrong guys to be teaching me shit. And they taught me all <laughs> the wrong shit. <laughs> and that's just the truth. Had I been the older brother, I would have made sure my little brothers did do nothing wrong. These guys were trying to entice me to do shit wrong. <laughs>
0: that's funny um your first gym that you went to do you uh do you have any specific memories from then like i know everyone usually has their first gym close in their heart because they had like their own little mr miyagi mentor there or somebody that really kind of you know jumped on this shit to make sure hey this is a new thing you're trying and you got to stay on it
1: you know yeah yeah well my first job was so young i was nine years old so it, it was no real big deal to me i wasn't like overly fascinated by anything. I love to fight and they made me spar all the time, you know. Uh, and, and and that was it. Not until I got older where I started to really appreciate what I was doing. Like I said, my motivation was learn how to fight better. You know what I mean? I didn't think about competing or becoming a champion someday, any of that. I just wanted to knock motherfuckers out of my neighborhood <laughs> that was that was sweating me straight up. Back then, we say, oh, you sweating me? They were sweating me. I wanted to hurt them. So <laughs> I wasn't that strong. Like, I got older brothers who knocked people out with one punch. My whole life, I watched my dad or my older brothers just knock people out with one punch. And I was the skinny kid in the family and all of that. So I didn't have this strength my older brothers or my father had. My dad's 6'5", 275 pounds. He's big. I'm six feet, you know, 230 now. But back then, I was... 130 pounds, you know. I was tall but skinny. So anyway, I joined martial arts to be able to hurt people on the streets. That was my only focus. And not until later, like, probably... 13, 14, 15, I started to appreciate what martial arts had done for me. Remember, I, I don't drink alcohol. I never smoked anything in my whole life. And growing up in California, before I got to Las Vegas, that's kind of like a, a seeing a blue whale. I know yeah. people in junior high school smoking. I've never smoked marijuana, cigarettes, cigars, none of that. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I owe that to martial arts. So even though I didn't know I was learning Anything but fighting, I was actually learning self-control and self-discipline, which has tra- transformed me to the person I am today. If you talk to any of my older friends, they would tell any of my friends from the older days, they tell you, man, Dewey's going to be dead or in jail for sure. Um, and, and now I'm totally different. You know, I'm a man of wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm a man of integrity. Uh. And and accountability. I I stand by what I say and I believe what I believe, but I do try to be courteous and kind to people as much as possible. Uh, Like I said, those are all attributes for martial arts. It's definitely not the way I I was brought up, you know, from that, from that aspect.
0: I love that. Um, When did you start competing then? When did you start thinking, hey, not only do I really like this and I'm really good and there, there could be a future here, maybe professionally.
1: I started competing when I was 10 years old. I had my first amateur Muay Thai smoker at 10 years old. I've been competing my whole life. But again, it was just a fight, you know, it was nothing. We train and on the weekends, like twice a month, they have what, what, what you call a smoker. For the kids, it's shin pads, um, headgear, and it's three one minute rounds starting out. I've been doing that since I was 10 years old. <laughs> so fighting was never anything to me. I've been street fighting before that five six seven eight years old street fighting dudes in junior high school and shit you know people try to bully you I start fighting so i've been fighting 16 15 year olds at eight you know age eight so when i started doing movie Thai smokers, it was nothing uh it was no nervousness nothing we just put the shin pads on headgear you meet up on saturday morning whoever Whoever weighs as much as you, you fight them. It was no big deal. That happened a long time. I didn't get serious, serious about wanting to become a champion until I was like 15, 16. I have fought so much. It was never about fighting because fighting was so normal. It was just that I like making the crowd scream. And back then they take a Polaroid picture of you or ask you for an autograph on a napkin. And that was the most awesome thing to me, especially if you like knock someone out in a fight, the whole crowd will give up, get up and give you a standing ovation. That sort of thing. I just love the feeling of, of, exciting the crowd. Um, And that's when it started really happening for me. But at the same time, I was a really good athlete. I played football, basketball, I ran track. I was always doing something. So at, at in my teenage years, football was actually my favorite, most recreational thing to do. I loved football uh, more than fighting, even though I had been fighting before I played football. Fighting is just something I did, just, it was nothing. Football was something that I enjoyed. It was fun. It was awesome. So, you know, my goal was to play football even before my goal is to become a a, a world champion.
0: Wow. So when was your first uh, championship fight? Do you remember your first championship fight?
1: Yeah, my first championship fight, I was 18, 18 and 19. Uh, you know, a- amateur, big am- amateur tournament that I won. Uh, and, you know, I fought all over the California. I fought Texas. I fought Arizona. I fought Utah, uh, New Mexico. Like I fought basically everywhere where Muay Thai was popular all over the country as a teenager. Um, my first championship, yeah, I was 18 years old. God, it's been so long ago. I'm 48 years old right now, <laughs> almost 48. So it's been a long time. But, yeah, I, I won several, you know, international national tournaments, then international tournaments, et cetera, uh, and then moved to the professional ranks in my early 20s. and. And it just took off from there.
0: Yeah. I went back and watched some of your old fights and god damn man, kickboxing is another animal. It's it's almost like it's a it's almost like a shame that the UFC got started as late as it did, because if it was started earlier, like man, there were so many warriors back then, you know, in kickboxing and muay thai that were just fucking unbelievable.
1: Yes, yes. And remember a lot of my fights um were were K1 or later when I was fighting at heavyweight. All my cruiserweight fights were really great to watch. So I was fighting guys my size. I was knocking everybody out at cruiserweight, um, but, but yeah, you know, kickboxing was something I did since I was a kid. I loved it. I fought the best in the world, all over the world. I fought, especially as, as a professional all over the world, from uh, Croatia, France, to you're all over Europe, uh, you know, England, Thailand, Japan. You know, China. I mean, I have I fought everywhere and I fought the best fighters in the world. And, uh, you know, you know, I had some great moments. I had some great moments.
0: Yeah. And, and all that traveling, too, it definitely humbles you. You know, you, you see a different part of the world. Um, I know you said martial arts did that for you, but I would imagine that. I mean, that's part of martial arts. The more you compete, the more you travel, the more yes. you are uh, definitely more grateful for what you have. One hundred percent.
1: Yes. And the more you fight like minded people you know, real killers, real warriors, mean guys, you 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 realize it's not even about that. It's about what's truly inside you. All this is exterior, the exterior stuff, all the the frowned up and yelling and screaming. That's all exterior. We start fighting the highest level guys in the world, you realize it's not about none of this. It's about what's truly inside you is what makes you you a warrior. And once you get to that point in your life where you know it's about the mentality, it's it's, it's about what's within you that you show to the world on fight night, that's when you naturally get that humility about yourself and start realizing, man, this guy may look like a killer and be the softest dude in the room and, and the little little nice looking guy right there, the quiet guy might be the baddest motherfucker in the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's about the mentality and what's inside you. And a lot of intangibles, God given attributes and all this type of stuff, but but it's mainly what's inside you. And when you go around the world and fight against the best fighters in the world, you start to realize that like, man, we're all really the same. It's just about who shows what that night, who can go through the pressures and the stresses and the family members watching and 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 the TV and the promotion and the money on the line and all that pressure? Who can who can get through that the most and still be their true selves and who's not willing to break under that pressure? Most likely, most times, are the one who's going to be the victor. And you learn that when you fight on the high level. That's something a lot of people don't understand. When you watch these high-level fights, like last week in UFC, Whitaker versus Alessandra, there's people debating that they thought Whitaker won the fight. He didn't win the fight. Alessandra won the fight, man. Alessandra controlled him for at least three of five rounds, if not four, in my opinion. You know, there's so many things that – that, that go into a high level world championship fighting. And, and once you compete with the best in the world, you start to.
0: And this is where, due to technical difficulties, we briefly lost the UFC striking coach, Dewey Cooper. You can blame that on our producer who watches way too many pornos on this computer. Please enjoy this beautiful music and then back to the show. All right. Oh, yeah. But you're saying, I uh, know I couldn't agree with you more with uh, Adesanya and uh, and Whitaker. He definitely did at least three or four of the rounds, 100 um, percent. And you're right. The mentality is the biggest part. How was was how it switching your mentality from com- from now a competitor to now a coach? How was that? Did you have the same fire initially or did it take time to get that fire? Or was it just a smooth transition for you?
1: Oh, yeah, it was super smooth because. When in training, like, you know, in America, even in Muay Thai, there, even though in, in, in Muay Thai, there are no belt systems. You either are an amateur or a pro, but in the Americans they, people love getting belts. So there's belt systems, even in Muay Thai schools. And once you reach a high level in the belt system, you're the one that trains the white belts and the yellow belts and all of that. So I've been literally Literally, I've been training people since I was like 15 years old. Once you started dancing, you train little kids. You know, now I realize the, the the coach just didn't want to train those little kids, so he'd make his higher belts train them. But whatever, you know, so I've been training people since I was a teenager. Um, and even as a pro, my first world champion was was the professional boxer, Jessica Roccozzi. She also fought in the UFC. She was On the Ultimate Fighter, the Ultimate Fighter with uh, Ronda and Misha Tate were the the coaches. And Jessica got to the finals and fought Juliana Pena in the finals of that Ultimate Fighter. That was my fighter. She was a boxer with no MMA experience and got to the finals. She beat... Roxanne Montefiore, she beat uh, Raquel Penit- Pendleton. She beat all those girls on the show to get to the finals. But that girl, Jessica Raja Racozzi, was my first world champion that I started training in year 2000. when our first boxing world title in 2002. I was in the prime of my career fighting while I was training her and boxers like Frank Mungahar and several other guys. Um, I used to train... Uh, uh, Jay Haran and, and I helped Kendall Grove and all these guys train while they were all fighting, too. Uh, so I've been training people even when I was fighting. Um, and so at the end of my fighting career, I already had like 10, 12 fighters I was working with anyway. And so it was an easy transition for me. So I literally been training people since the mid 90s. You know, well, shit, actually the early 90s, but seriously training people since the late 90s for sure. Like, where I was their head coach type thing. So a lot of people, when they see me with Francis and Ngannou or they see me with Kevin Lee, these guys thought that was like my first UFC gig. I was in Baroni's Phil Baroni's Corner when he fought Pete Sells way back in the days. You go back and watch that fight. I was the coach in Baroni's Corner. Uh, I've been training guys for a long time, man. So when I when I read people's comments, oh, he's new, he needs this. He I'm like, dude, I've been doing this shit forever. <laughs> I was through. I was through with this before. Before most of these motherfuckers knew what to do with this, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm not some new guy. It's just you know, with the popularity of UFC and the sport of mixed martial arts, people are starting to see us more. But I was doing this shit way before this shit was even thought of.
0: Right, yeah, one hundred percent. And your title uh, is mostly known as a, as a striking coach. What I always, which I always find interesting, because it's it's it sounds j- like general in the title, but the reality is, striking as a boxer and striking as an MMA fighter are way different. Um, in boxing, your weight's like forward most of the time, and and in striking, it's a, it's a lot more balanced because you got to account for other weapons. So, um, how is that you know handling that for you when you have boxers coming to you and MMA guys coming to you? And they might have to be taught different things. Is that like a, I don't know, what what's that like to you?
1: Well, any real coach with a certain level of expertise knows the intricate details and in whether they're an expert in. I happen to be an expert in kickboxing. I happen to be an expert in Muay Thai. I happen to be an expert in regular straight up boxing. I got 25 professional boxing fights also. I fought for a championship in boxing. Uh and I got the mixed martial arts experience also. So I know the difference. And by the way, right now, currently, I've won two world titles last year, of course, with Francis Ngannou in UFC and Jamie Miracle Mitchell knocking out, uh, beating Shannon Courtney in Liverpool, England, uh, 2021. And just last month, they both just got their first title title defense wins. First Francis did on the 22nd. Jamie did it February fifth or whatever. So um, I currently have a a UFC champion and a boxing world champion that I'm the coach for. Uh, So the difference is when you know the the intricate the intricate details of each sport, you know how to make the uh, transition. Like you said, MMA, the stance has to be more 50-50, more, more neutrally balanced, so you don't take the calf kicks or the low kicks or whatever. And so you can defend those, those, those single legs and double leg, you know, uh takedown attempts. And boxing, yeah, yeah, you could be more front front foot heavy if you want to draw power or you could be back foot heavy. If you want to counter punch and box, it goes by what happens. So that's your question. Every fighter is unique. A good coach will look at their, they'll train them a few sessions, see their natural abilities. Would we, we try to make those even better and try to catch up their weak areas. Um, and it goes by the athlete, goes by the power, goes by all the different God-given attributes they got. But I know t- I know the difference out of MMA striking, regular Muay Thai striking, or boxing striking. Uh, however, I do mix my MMA striking a lot like my boxing striking. Because I like the 50-50 neutral stance anyway. Levels low weight evenly on both legs because you have every weapon available to you that you could actually use uh versus favoring the, the the rear or favoring the lead leg anyway
0: right and i think i think that's why everyone respects you everyone knows you've come from a background of so many different disciplines and yes. and you're not favoring one over the other like you just said you usually you identify what your student needs and you attend to that and that's phenomenal and i think the biggest example was when you guys won the championship fight with uh Ngannou versus Stipe because everyone saw the raw talent in Francis a long time ago we could see the raw talent but everyone knows it needed some tweaking and the way his striking was against Stipe on the second fight I remember I was with my buddy we're in Vegas watching it um and I was like this is fucking different the first thing I said is this is different man he he's not just swinging like crazy like he his punches look sharp they're crisp they're compact like and it, it was fucking beautiful. And I, I knew it was a matter of time. I'm like oh, In the first round, I was like, he's gonna knock him out. And it's gonna be with a clean punch. It's not gonna be with some crazy thing. It's just gonna be short, compact. He's already strong as it gets. He doesn't need to do some big punch. And it, it was phenomenal. Your work with him has been fucking crazy.
1: Thank you. And, and people don't realize, I was with Francis the first Fipe fight. Francis and I started training before the overring fight. He was supposed to fight JDS before overring in Canada. He had just came from France to Las Vegas, and we started training way back then. The JDS fight fell out due to some medical issues with JDS. Francis ends up fighting Okkering, and you've seen what happened. Shortly after that, it was a short-lived celebration. Then he had the Stepe fight. All I can say about the first Stepe fight: the game plan was to be be composed and not rush yourself but Francis was just a little too premature not enough experience at that moment to fight a cerebral guy like Stepe. we all knew Stepe was going to take him deep and use his wrestling and try to try to drain him and all of that but it was just not our night that night Francis wanted to knock his head off and he went for it right away um but I feel that experience was the biggest thing that helped them later on to become the Francis. You guys all know now. Um, I accepted the, I accepted the loss back then in the first deep eight fight. I was like, man, you know, Hey, we, 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 we got beat tonight. We have to accept it and, and live on from that. And some, some transitions happened with Francis and all of that. And then, uh, we all, we all got together. You see, the product now, not only is Fresh and striking on point, his grapplings on point, his IQ is on point, his conditioning is on point. And the whole world seeing that in the gun fight, by the way, the conditioning. Um, and that's what it takes. You know, us coaches, our job is to do our best to prepare our fighters for for what we can and uh assemble a proper team that make that make everything right And we've done that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought him having the ability to wrestle against Gone was like this is just icing on the cake man like you have the biggest physical freak there is with the god-given talent who has the striking down now now he has the wrestling and he did it with fucking one knee on you know on top of that you're just like this is just bananas man we're seeing a whole nother level and credit to you guys you guys are doing you know a lot of work at extreme couture mma and it's it's showing um tell me about your other gyms you know i, I know you have your other stuff going on you have your uh other players or your other i'm sorry students that you have going on and and it looks great man
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I train a lot of my guys out of extremes because I've been friends with those guys. I, I was close with Robert Fawless, uh after his passing away. By the way, Eric Nixon and I have been friends before he was even training people. Uh, uh, you know, he was at, at the gym, managing the gym. We've been friends for a long time. One of my best friends in the world introduced me to Eric way back. Him and Eric are friends. So Eric and I have been friends forever. This ain't some new relationship we have. Um, after Robert you know, what happened to Mr. Fawless, uh, you know, Eric started coaching more and, and being a bigger presence at the gym, and uh, we were already close. So it was it was the right thing for us to get together and get Francis Wrestling on point. We know each other well. Eric Nixick and I actually – cornered Ray sefu back when he fought for his own company in the world series of fighting a world world fighting series whatever the hell it's called what <laughs> we call world world series of fighting yes yeah. <laughs> uh, uh it was eric nixick and i in Ray that corner when he fought on his own show that he was the president for so so we got a long history together we're we're really cool really close uh And so it was like the perfect situation. I knew a street couture gym was the gym Francis needed to be at for for the wrestling, the grappling, and the big bodies to work with. I knew Eric was a great fit for what we were doing. And uh, that's how it happened. You know, we're all happy. We're a championship winning team right now um same with kevin lee he was over there you know at extremes also you know we had some great camps together and trained well he's moving on to different things but we still love him and we're still very close to him too
0: absolutely yeah just just going over your instagram i your your way you train people is very is very unique and it's it's very apparent that you that you truly give a shit about what your fighters are learning um because your energy is unmatched, man. It's unmatched. It's, it's hard to see other coaches have that. Some coaches are very stoic and that works too. Um, especially in other sports, you know, like baseball, like the Joe Torrey, just like, just sit there and fucking have a straight face and call plays. But um, your energy is so up that just even me doing martial arts my whole life, that I, I respond to that. When I'm tired and your coach is like yelling at you, but not in a mean way, he's like, come on, like you can do more. That That's huge, man. I, I really do respect what you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you. And, and and one thing, the stuff people should see on Instagram is not theatrics. People are videoing us. Many times I don't even realize they are videoing us and we're just working, man. Every fighter that, that's ever worked with, with me will tell you that. When I train my whole life, I've always been energetic. I'm not a lazy guy, I work a lot. Everyone knows me to tell you, I work very hard. When I was fighting, I did everything. I did my road work, I trained, I sparred, worked out two, three times a day, six days a week, my whole life. So it's the same as a coach. I'm working six days a week. Every week I'm working hard. I want to sweat with the guys. I want to feel that pain. freshness hurts me a lot when we're training. But I tell them to hit me hard. I tell them to kick me hard. I want to feel that ultimate pain because I know if I can make them hit me hard all day for eight weeks or ten weeks, imagine what they're conditioned to do in a fight. And I always tell my guys, Sometimes they'll apologize for hurting me. I'm like, man, I'm okay. I'm, I'm First of all, I'm a K-1 fighter. I'm a kickboxing champion. I'm a tough-ass brother from the streets. I'm okay. <laughs> but always promise me, you're going to hit them. At least as hard as you hit me. If you make that promise to me, I don't care if you break my ribs. Cause if you break my ribs, I know you're gonna definitely break three of his ribs. And and that's just the way we get down, man. Um, uh, this is not theatrics. This is all unscripted, uh, realness. When, when you see all the videos, um, and as far as my new gym, by the way, uh, gym I opened for myself is is called Split T Boxing BK MMA. And Bubba Jenkins wanted to name it BK MMA, by the way. <laughs> uh, so not some egomaniac. That was Bubba's idea. Um, but I just need a place because I have a lot of up-and-coming guys coming up. And, uh, you know, I need I need a place where, where we can do our own special thing. I partnered up with several of my fighters, but that was previously before I had my own gym. Now I have my own gym. I'm still down to partner up with a bunch of the coaches that I'm cool with, and that we have, you know, uh, uh, a good a good chemistry going. But I have my own gym, Split T Box and BKMMA. and I got some young, really, really excellent fighters coming up. And I can't wait to see what the future holds. I Man, I got some some real killers coming up at at my gym. You know, it's the 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 mornings is for the pros. We get really. Um, really aggressive, really intense. Uh, after two o'clock, then we go corporate like everybody else. Uh, audio, audio, radio edits on the music uh, classes, <laughs> you know, nothing crazy, but, but the mornings, I had to really get intense and, and I tell my fighters, you know, I'll make it as live and real as possible because I want to see who could handle pressure, who could handle intensity who could handle stress because these guys can't handle it in the gym they're not going to be able to handle it in the real thing so uh some of the videos you see when we're yelling and screaming and cursing and loud gangster rap music is playing and shit that's that's to create that hectic hostile environment like it is in fights and Throughout those hostile environments, your mind still has to be still and calm. And I talk to these guys about that all the time. So I really try to recreate, you know, a hectic atmosphere for them because I see the ones who can't handle it and get stressed out. And I see the ones who thrive in it and love it. And those are the guys that I, I like to make, you know, into, into the future prospects of the mixed martial arts and boxing world.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of that, which which uh, of your fighters, either at Extreme or at Split T, do you have coming up next that are looking to have some good fights that anyone can uh, check
1: out? Well, well, my next guy. I have a really excellent boxer, undefeated. He's three and and0 right now. 18 years old. He was a seven-time national champion. So he's been kicking ass since he was 10 years old. He's 18 now. He signed with PBC. You know, Al Haymon's company. Uh, his name is Samuel Arnold III. I call him S3 for Samuel the Third. Samuel Arnold the Third. He's fighting tomorrow in Dallas, Texas. I'm flying out to Texas tonight, uh, and so he'll be fighting tomorrow in Dallas, a boxing fight. Um, he will be four zero tomorrow. After that, my next big fight, I got the UFC fighter Javed Basharan. He, I'm sorry, Javed Basharat. He's from Afghanistan. He's the first UFC Afghanistan signed fighter. He's fighting March 12th here on one of the UFC Vegas shows. Uh, And he's looking phenomenal in the gym. Uh, So excited about him. The week after that, by the way, he trains at Extreme Coutures and with me too. Uh, But Jake Shields and I partner up with, with Javid, just like. Eric and I partner up on Francis. Uh it'll be Jake Shields and I for, for Javid, man. This guy's can fight. Real fast, you guys will remember him from the from the Dana White contender series uh way that went that went viral when the Israeli fighter called the Muslim fighter a terrorist. Oh yeah. Everyone, yeah. That's the guy, the 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 Muslim fighter, Javid. Javid uh is, is the fighter's name. Uh, He's the one fighting March 12th. And, man, he's looking phenomenal in in the gym. We cannot wait to see him in his UFC debut in a few more weeks. Week after that, March 19th, my fighter. I've been training him since he was a kid. Twilight Timmy Kwamba. He's fighting, uh, uh, March 19th. And, uh, we're excited to see twilight Timmy back in the ring. He's going to be a future UFC fighter for sure. And definitely has the talent to be a UFC champion someday in the next three years or so. This guy's a killer and he's fighting, uh, March 19th. So we got some good things really soon coming up. Uh, mother fire Orlando Sanders will be fighting in April and, uh, Carlos Tocum, he's trying to get a fight signed for April, you know, a boxer, Carlos Tocum. So uh, we got some great things coming up in the near future, man. We're happy. We're working hard and we're blessed.
0: Hell yeah. I'm excited. Well, I got one more question for you, dude, Cooper. If there's a, if there's a young dude, Cooper out there, we're not far from LA. We're in Orange County. Um, you know, that you can give some advice to man, now that you're going through your life and your wisdom and, and, you know, going through that life that you went through in LA. Uh, yes. What tips would you give him, if he, especially if he's trying to get into the MMA world at a young age like you?
1: I would tell him, um, fighting is a good thing if it's something that's natural in you. But don't be reckless. Don't be careless. Find the gym. Find good coaches. And really, you know, train hard. Listen to your team. Listen to your coaches. And you can become the next greatest ever. Um, stay away from the negativity. Stay away from the drugs, stay away from the alcohol, because fighting is something that's so finite to be the greatest. Think about the window of opportunity between not the, the think about the window of greatness between Habib and Justin Gagey. Gaethje. Justin Gaethje's a killer, but when you see him him fight Habib, it seemed like whole different levels, right? Absolutely. And and, and it's like it's like an inch, an inch. And it makes that big of a difference. So really focus, discipline, train, be the hardest worker you know if you want to be a champion because that inch makes a big-ass difference when you're fighting against that guy who equals you but an inch better than you. So work hard. Fuck what your friends are doing. You be the leader, not the follower. Work hard, stay focused, get a good team and start fighting and just build that, build that catalog, build that catalog and know that impossible simply means I'm possible. I can do this shit. There's nothing I can't do. And if you're meant to do it, you got the mental fortitude to do it hey, next thing you know, you'll be the one we'll be cheering for and going to your fights and selling out arenas. You can do it because I'm no different than anyone else. Francis, Connor, whoever you like, they're no different than anyone else. They just had a stronger mind to really push through those barriers to get to the position they're in. And Preston was the perfect example of that. Everyone knows his life story from the Rogan show. Who do you know? did start training until they were about 26 years old. Decided to do something, leave their country, go through all these different countries and all kind of sleeping in the wilderness and sleeping on the side of the road to be homeless in a place like Paris, France. Next thing you know, become the UFC world champion, heavyweight world champion. Uh, He's big, he's strong, but his mentality is what took him there. And his mentality is what made him fight surreal gun on a torn ACL three weeks before the fight and still win it. And if you keep that mentality, you can be the greatest too.
0: I love it. Dude, Cooper, you're the man. Thank you so much. I promised you 30 to 45 minutes. And that's yes, what we did, man. This was a huge honor of mine. And uh, do me a favor, tell the people your social media and your gym websites and all that stuff, so that if they have any interest, they can go there.
1: Yes, guys. Uh, I have an Instagram account. It's DC Black Cobra. DC Black Cobra. Cobra spelled with a K, so it's B L A C K K O B R A. DC Black Cobra. I got real live footage on there of training and and all of that. You might hear some curse words and all of that, but just rock out with me. Also, uh, com to see the gym and see see what we got going on over there. We're happy, we're blessed, we're living, and we're going to keep striving for championships. That's 10. We expect 11 real soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot, dude. Cooper. I appreciate it. I'll be in uh, Vegas for 272, so if I see you there, I'll make sure I say
1: hello. Come by the gym, man. We're not far from the strip. We're, we're right off the strip.
0: Yes, sir. I'll go visit and I'll say what's up.
1: Well, see you later. Thank you.
0: All right. This is Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with Dewey, the Black Cobra Cooper. Thanks for stopping in, Dewey. I really appreciate it, man. It was an absolute honor for me, man. You are an absolute legend in the business. I mean, not many people can do it in just one sport, boxing or MMA. And, and the fact that you're doing it in both is just bananas, dude. So uh, thanks for stopping in and, and spreading your your damn wisdom, man. It, it was insane. Uh, like I said, I'll be in Vegas for 272, and I'll definitely stop by the gym to say hello to you and Eric. And shout-out Eddie Baraka. I'll be saying hi to all you guys, man. It'll be a great time. For all of you uh, Dewey Cooper fans out there, I put all of his social media in the podcast description. I even put the links for his gym. And Extreme Couture MMA, so you guys can check those out. If you're in the Vegas area, go sign up. If you're a dork, you're gonna learn how to get better and beat up bullies. And if you're a bully, well, you're gonna get your ass kicked by someone who's better than you, and you're gonna get nicer. So it plays out well for everybody. Anyways, uh, go to our Instagram at Alternate Take Dr. We have a TikTok now. It's at Alternate Take Dr. Go check that out as well. And uh, that's it, man. This is Alternate Take. My name is Danny Rodriguez, and thanks for tuning in. Peace.